Notes from America is supported by Future Hindsight, an award-winning podcast that shares big ideas about participating in American democracy beyond voting but short of running for office. Join host Mila Atmos for stimulating and incisive conversations with citizen changemakers on topics ranging from gerrymandering, policing equity, and voting rights. In this election year, Future Hindsight offers an unaffiliated perspective into what's at stake and how citizens can make an impact at the local, state, and national level. You'll always come away with something hopeful. Tune in every Thursday to get engaged and stay engaged. WNYC Studios is brought to you by Zbiotics. Seize the day after a night of drinks with Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink. Zbiotics was invented by PhD scientists to break down the byproduct of alcohol, which is most responsible for making you feel crummy the next day. Drink Zbiotics before your first drink, drink responsibly, and you'll wake up refreshed and ready to take on the day. Try it for yourself at zbiotics.com slash WNYC and get 15% off your first order when you use WNYC at checkout. That's zbiotics.com slash WNYC and use the code WNYC at checkout for 15% off. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. It's Notes from America. I'm Kai Wright. And I want to share something with you. My WNYC colleague, Tracy Hunt, has been trying and failing to get people in her life to allow real talk about something kind of hard. It's one of those things that really illustrates how these big social concerns that we talk about on this program, they actually show up in our innermost lives. Here's Tracy. Let's have an honest conversation about beauty. Not about fashion or makeup or anything like that, but what it means to be beautiful. You know, why are some bodies considered beautiful while others aren't? And how do these standards shape our destinies? And to start off, I'm going to go somewhere you might not expect. The 2013 MTV Video Music Awards. One of the big performers that night was Miley Cyrus. It might be hard to remember now, but back then, Miley was a huge deal. She was in full good girl gone bad mode, a young white pop star eager to shed her kid show cutesiness. And so she got up on stage and started twerking and strutting, all while surrounded by these thick, buxom Black women dancers. At one point, she smacked the butt of one of the women repeatedly and pretended to bite it. The whole thing was really cringe and kind of offensive. In the aftermath, several Black women writers called out Miley for cultural appropriation, using hip-hop aesthetics to recast herself as sexy and dangerous. But there was one essay that had a slightly different take. It was written by Tressie McMillan Cottom, the professor of sociology and 2020 MacArthur genius. Her essay, When Your Brown Body is a White Wonderland, talked about how the Black dancers served as a stark visual contrast to Miley's slim, white, feminine ideal. But one line in that essay triggered a backlash. Tressie wrote, I am not beautiful. Almost immediately, the letters, emails, and blog comments started rolling in. 
and they were almost exclusively from other Black women. They were offended because if Tressie was calling herself not beautiful, what does that mean for other Black women who look like Tressie? I knew writing it that I was breaking some covenant. It goes to the heart of, I think, what Black women feel like we have done to protect ourselves in a world where we are objectively the anti-beauty standard. Mm. And I think they thought I was rejecting that. Yeah. But there's a lot of power in naming a thing a thing. Mm -hmm. It does not ultimately serve me to deny the fact that there are things out there in this world that are bigger than me and big beauty is one of them. What is beauty? How would you define Mm. it? Mm. Beauty is an idea, Mm -hmm. an aesthetic. There is the beauty that we all have by virtue of being born and being human. There's the human experience that has so much beauty Mm -hmm. in it and so much possibility for beauty that is absolutely democratically available. Even in the darkest days, for example, of Black people's existence in America, there was beauty. Mm. But then there's what I call big beauty, which some people call, you know, beauty industry, beauty standards. Now, that's ideology and power Mm. and politics at work. The big beauty is the thing that, you know, coincidentally gets in the way of us appreciating the small beauty that is available to all of us. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that happens is almost from the get-go, we are socialized into the fact that beauty is something you buy and consume. Tressie and I have something in common. We're both what she calls big, dark-skinned girls. And we both had to wrestle with what that means for our lives and the people who insist that what others think about our bodies doesn't matter. It's all about the inside. The tyranny of self-help, this idea that you can just love yourself more than the world hates you and that will fix everything, is that it does make people feel like they're crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Like you're getting all of these messages and you know that this is what is being said to you, but everybody is telling you that, no, that's not it. You just don't believe in yourself enough, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I have a version of the same conversation where, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'll be complaining about dating and like being on the apps and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. maybe I'll say like, well, you know, I'm not like conventionally pretty. Like I'll say something like that. Yeah. Yes, and then, yeah. like, there's all that rush to reassure me, oh, yeah. you're so beautiful. And I mean, it's it's my white friends, my, my Latina friends, yep. my, you know, my black friends, everybody's mm-hmm. like, why, why are you talking about yourself like that? How, you know, and I and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm going crazy because I'm like, no, I'm quite vain, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, let's, let's take this off the table. This is important, Tracy, because see, I say this in the essay, and I feel like a lot of people overlooked it. I literally say, I know I bag. I know that, like, this is not... (laughs) Right, yeah. Let me be very clear. (laughs) I know the streets to walk down Mm -hmm. to pull your daddy. I'm not confused. (laughs) Right. Okay? Yeah, yeah. What I am saying, however, (laughs) is that there is a thing called status and social status, and I don't bring social status to men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that that shapes... The experience that we have on the apps, yes. Our experiences at jobs, our experiences in courtrooms. Mm -hmm. We know that Black women who are darker, perceived as less attractive, uh, get harsher criminal sentences. Mm. 
Right. All right. Then lighter skinned women. We know that we earn less money. We know that we're less likely to marry someone or partner with someone mm-hmm. who has our same educational level or income capacity. Like, so like when you just say like, yeah, I know why the apps ain't popping. Right. We know. Right. Yeah. And that's what you are acknowledging. But it makes people feel so uncomfortable. This is also a very American problem, Mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. Nobody will tell you faster than a Korean auntie that you're not that pretty, but you're smart. Like, because (laughs) this is not a a thing is what it is and that there were other forms of status that you could accrue, right? So they just see it as like laying it out, right? Mm -hmm. I say as someone who has lots of Korean aunties around me, for whatever reason, they love me um, (laughs) and will tell me. Yeah. And I don't know, that's kind of comforting. I like it. Um, (laughs) You know, Americans just believe in meritocracy. No matter how much Mm -hmm. we have evidence that we do not live in a meritocracy, Mm -hmm. believing in merit is like a very American religious faith principle. Yeah. And beauty runs totally counter to the idea of merit. Mm -hmm. It's a genetic lottery. Mm -hmm. And it points out that you are subject to random chance, right? And we despise random chance as Americans, Mm -hmm. right? If you just work hard enough and make all the right decisions. And so I think this is just a very, like, Black American problem, Mm -hmm. right? That we don't have a language to talk about that. And that's because of the Americanness in us. You do talk about the work that Black women have done to call themselves beautiful, to be included and beautiful. And that was kind of hard to read because, yeah, I do want to be seen as beautiful by the larger culture. And like, what is what am I missing out on by by not Mm -hmm. being able to tap into that? And your essay kind of is like, you can't tap into it. The, the train has left the station. Like, and I, I was like, I don't want to so hear sorry. that. I don't want to hear that. I so yeah. <laughs> No, I get it. Listen, I didn't want to know it. I didn't want to believe it. You think I wanted to write it? Hell no. Yeah. I mean, I still daydream about a frictionless existence. And Mm -hmm. being a woman in the world means that we get a lot of friction, Mm -hmm. right? Just trying to go about our daily lives. And being beautiful would get rid of some of that. Yeah. Black women are very uncomfortable for very reasonable reasons with how vulnerable big beauty makes us. And that Mm -hmm. when we desire it, we Mm -hmm. are in a position of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Listen, so much of what we have built to protect ourselves against a world that is hostile to us is built on our idea of our strength, Mm -hmm. right? Mm. We're strong. Yeah. We're bigger and better than that. Our bravado comes from a place of loving defense of ourselves. But we're also human. Mm -hmm. We're also human and... I don't know. I think embracing the vulnerability of wanting it can be a power position. There is a lot of power in accepting your vulnerability. Wanting beauty but not having access to it feels complicated. But having beauty, that presents its own set of contradictions. Take New York Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. If you've spent any time on social media, you know that AOC sparks anger in people that can't just be chalked up to political differences. Tressie says that what really makes people mad, Republicans and Democrats, is her beauty. The only people who are supposed to legitimately own beauty as power are white women. Mm -hmm. And even then, only to the extent that white men allow them to. 
Mm-hmm. All the rest of us have a, like a negotiated relationship mm-hmm. to beauty. And we're always supposed to be a little ashamed and like a little vulnerable with it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I really appreciate about AOC is that she is not that at all. Yeah. She owns it, right? Mm-hmm. And has turned it into political power, which is just a direct hit at yeah. <laughs> the white patriarchy of yeah. elected politics. She's thin. Mm-hmm. And she's able-bodied and she has the, you know, the long feminine hair and she enjoys and plays in the, you know, the power of makeup mm-hmm. and style and she's not ashamed of that, mm-hmm. right? And so it is very obvious that most men think that her power comes from how beautiful she is because yeah. that is what she is critiqued on the most, mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah. So all of the really horrible memes from the alt-right are probably expected, but you also see it coming from the left, the people mm-hmm. who should be aligned with her politically, mm-hmm. who have really struggled with how they kind of diminish her intellect and her political prowess and her organizing prowess. And it is because she makes them deeply uncomfortable because they are attracted to her. Hmm. And being attracted to a powerful non-white woman makes, I think, men across the political spectrum feel very vulnerable. Because Mm -hmm. think about what that opens up. What if all the sexy Latinas start running? And (laughs) what if all the, you know? (laughs) And instead, she chooses to embrace both the power of being beautiful and the power of being a feminist. Is this kind of big beauty something that only affects women and femmes? Like, what kind of effects Mm. does it have on men? You know, as I think is always the case, uh, real radical feminism will do more to set men free than it will ever do to set women free. Mm. Men are as trapped in the pursuit of big beauty as women are. So on the one hand, we know that men, for example— are experiencing more eating disorders and body Mm. dysmorphia than Mm. they ever have before. But also the pursuit of owning beauty is at Mm -hmm. the heart of men wanting to own women. Mm. That's what bagging a 10 is. That's what having a baddie is, right? Whether they're heterosexual or not, because it happens irrespective, by the way, I think, of sexual identity. Being surrounded by bad bitches happens in queer communities too. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a thing. I just want to say yeah. that this is not something that I think queer theory completely solves for us, by the mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. That obsession with being a baddie, that is actually happening across the sexuality spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, it puts you at odds with people's humanity, mm-hmm. right? And like, yes, that's really bad for women and oppressive for women, but it is also very isolating for men. How is beauty an equity issue? One study that I found really interesting recently is that people across race, when they're looking at somebody who is of a different racial group than they are, especially one that is lower on the Mm -hmm. racial hierarchy. So a white person looking at a black person, um, they have a really hard time discerning class signifiers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you could be dressed in Hermes from head to toe. Mm-hmm. You could be rocking the Gucci and the Prada. You could pull up in the BMW, right? You can have all those class signifiers. Right, yeah. But the darker you are, the less that white people will perceive those class signifiers in you. Mm. That's what beauty does, right? It, it diminishes all of the things you earn by merit, you know? Right. So, like, our eyes are not, like, 
they are not objective tools. So I think we must have like almost a like a, a set of Instagram filters in our minds <laughs> that like blurs us out. Yeah. Like I think people see me and I really do think sometimes they just sort of like see a amorphous like shape. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or any black woman who's had to say, I'm standing here. Why are you getting in front of me? Like, yes. you know, something like that. <laughs> you're you're literally sitting on me, sir. A, a man sat on me one time, by the way, like I was your chair. Oh I will never God. forget it as long as I live. And I was just like, and I'm like, you sat on me. Like, <laughs> what what could you have possibly seen in your mind? Right. <laughs> I was talking to, about your essay to a friend and I told her like, oh, in this essay, Tressie says that she's not beautiful. And she was just saying like, okay, but how do we wrestle back these standards from cis white mm-hmm. straight people? if we refer to ourselves as not beautiful, mm-hmm. isn't part of getting white to straight, straight people <laughs> away from being the standards of it, like reclaiming it and, and calling yourself beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I get it. I do. Yeah. I just don't know that that's the project I'm most interested in. Yeah. Reclaiming is not the same thing as reimagining. Hmm. If I take the word back from you, I'm still accepting the word. I'm still accepting the history of the term. Mm -hmm. That is actually not the same as a radical reimagining. Reclaiming beauty would not be about making Black women as beautiful as white women. Mm -hmm. It would be about divesting beauty from capitalism so that it is democratically available to all people Mm -hmm. in a way that does not foreclose their individual ability to flourish. Yeah. So if I'm going to leave you with some hope here, it's this. Although I don't traffic in hope. You know, I'm really, really yeah, particular yeah, yeah. about that. I don't that. think you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, go to church, honey. I'm not, I'm not, your, I'm not a preacher. But mm-hmm. I, I, I read something recently that says that what we accept is beautiful, you know, internalized and then the, like that shapes our vision is an average of mm-hmm. the images we've seen before. Hmm. This is where I think that, like, media and and stuff probably does matter. Like, what Shonda Rhimes does, for example, Mm -hmm. when she does colorblind casting. Yeah. I suspect it is a slower process than we would like and probably isn't a perfect process. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think it's just about seeing images. I don't think it's just about, like, living in proximity to people. Mm -hmm. I think you have to see people in a world, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. saying words, moving around, like, right? <laughs> yeah, Changing yeah, yeah. the averages of what we expect. That's Tressie McMillan-Cottom. You can read more of what she has to say about beauty and so many other topics in her book, Thick and Other Essays. We'll have a link to her essay about Miley Cyrus in our show notes. Notes from America is a production of WNYC Studios. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find us on both Instagram and Twitter at Notes with Kai. Matthew Miranda was our live engineer this week. Music and mixing by Jared Paul and Mike Kutchman. A special thanks to Jenny Lawton for editing help this week. Our team also includes Karen Frillman, Regina Dehir, Vanessa Handy, Rahima Nasa, Kusha Navadar, and Lindsay Foster-Thomas. And I am Kai Wright. Thanks for spending this time with us tonight. I'll talk to you next week.